Report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He laser clickers. Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. And we are here today to celebrate and review episode three of the Obi-Wan Kenobi limited series, now available on Disney+. Plus. I think that's right. Anyway, yeah. Tom, tell us about this episode. First, what, well, was, the, what was the name? I, obviously, I was being facetious when I called it, you know, the third episode. It must have a better name. I well, I'll tell you honestly, I, the one thing I do appreciate about this, there really are no titles for the episodes because basically this is part three of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series on Disney+. Plus. This one was directed by Deborah Chow, and it was written by Joby Harold, Hossein Amini, and Stuart Beatty. In the episode, Obi-Wan searches for allies as he attracts the attention of the Empire, threatening the locals. I, I tell you, I really, really just appreciate how these episodes pick up exactly where they leave off. It really is basically just a giant movie cut yeah. into six pieces. And I love it. You know, it, it, it I, I really like how they're, they're really leaning in heavy. I mean, each episode has its, or sorry, part has its own focus, of course. Uh, but it's, it's really well done. Mm-hmm. And I, I I like this format. You know, I like the fact that it's a limited series. There's only six episodes, you know, six distinct parts, and they're done. I mean, yeah. I've seen some crazy rumors about a second season of Kenobi. I don't believe it. You know, like I I hope they don't go that route either. I and, just, I really and, like what they're doing so far. And I I agree with you because I think there's only so much you can tell within this time period of Kenobi, because if you start going a little bit further then it takes away something about that character having to be a hermit. And also on top of that, the way that I appreciated the way this episode started is he's in that transport trying to commune with Qui-Gon. And that, I think, is what they're building to toward the end of the series. So that would be a natural place for just a six-episode series to end. Yeah, I mean, I think it's... I don't think there's any doubt that he's going to commune with Qui-Gon by the yes. end of end of this season. Like they they teased it in Revenge of the Sith, and we've never seen it happen. And so it's it's gonna happen by the end. Liam Neeson's mm-hmm. gonna return. It's a done deal. And and I think as we go through the episode, we talk about little things. There's little things in each episode that kind of hint and drop that there's clues that are trying to get Obi-Wan to realize that that he needs to do this and this is how you're going to be able to commune with Qui-Gon because I think w- when we get to the thing there's a spot later when we realize one of the Jedi that he thought didn't make it survives there was something written on the wall of the room where he was at that if you read into it it's kind of like a little clue kind of telling Obi-Wan look I know you're trying to to commune with Qui-Gon but but these little hints that are dropping are kind of giving him the clues to figure out a way to do it instead of the struggle to do it. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that the show is tackling the the Darth Vader revelation as kind of its core uh, emotional plot, I guess I would say. Yes. Like, it is 
the I'd say the crux of Obi-Wan's character. Beyond, there's a little bit. I, it's, I guess I should say it's split between him trying to figure out what it means to be a Jedi nowadays or not be a Jedi nowadays. Mm-hmm. And now the Vader reveal and watching Ewan McGregor attempt to deal with that is just kind of brutal and heartbreaking. Right. I mean, it should have been heartbreaking when, you know, he left him burning on the lake of a lava shore. But now he knows he survived that, which is just, it can't be good. Mm-hmm. Can't be comfortable. No. And then the best thing about it is the episode opened where you see him in the back to tank, Vader in the back to tank and being suited up. I mean, ah, that was just so nicely done. Yeah. I, I have to give Ewan McGregor props on his acting in this. Like you can see the emotion all over mm-hmm. Obi-Wan's face. And, you know, and it kind of in this episode really is like you were saying, Stephen, all about how he processes the fact that his former Padawan, who he spent the last 10 years thinking was dead, 10 years. And it turns out he's not actually dead. He's alive. And you can see Obi-Wan going through all of the pain all over again, all of those emotions that he thought he'd resolved and he thought mm-hmm. he dealt with because, you know, he's he, Anakin's dead. It's over. There's nothing he can do. Turns out, no, he's still he's still alive. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness! It even affected Obi Wan when he spotted Anakin in the distance on the planet Nor. And well, you're looking at it, just going, was that a hallucination or was that real? I mean, just, just you could tell he's struggling with all this. Yeah, I I loved that moment right when he spots Anakin and kind of is hallucinating, uh, and or seeing things right. Not necessarily hallucinating, but he's just like he's seeing. He's he's not going crazy, I guess, but he 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 thinks he sees Anakin off in the distance, and it's, it's not really him. And it's kind of our first shot as Hayden uh, of Hayden Christensen. I I, I really liked that that touch mm-hmm. quite a bit. Also, you know, we were wondering, okay, well, you know, Hayden's in the Vader suit. Okay, great, but why bring back Hayden? You could be bring back really anybody. Right. This was a very very brief glimpse, but it was our first kind of. Uh, 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 justification of, of Hayden. Um, so far they haven't done any other flashbacks and we'd all kind of theorize, will they do other flashbacks of Anakin and Obi-Wan? They haven't gone that route yet. And honestly, I'm, I'm starting to think maybe they won't. Uh, Cause Star Wars doesn't typically do a ton of flashbacks anyway, they, at least not in the, the films. Uh, but maybe it'll be these kinds of like visions where he sees Anakin uh, mm-hmm. more than anything else. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I I loved this whole dynamic and you know it all leads up later to the big confrontation. But but first, Obi-Wan has to uh you know, he and Leia have to get to their the rendezvous point on Mapuzo. And I speaking of things I loved in this episode, I loved Obi-Wan and Leia's dynamic. Continued mm-hmm. to be phenomenal yes. in in this in in this episode i don't know steven what what did you think of anakin and oh, sorry, anakin obi-wan and leia yeah i mean they definitely i'm at oh you see i feel like you were hoping for a specific answer well, I, mean, I think no i, I wasn't I, I i did tom just say it. me i was curious to get no, your so thoughts I, I think it works they definitely are pulling off the what is at this point become like the Star Wars formula for uh, Star Wars television, like the grizzled older character, uh, the Mandalorian, Obi-Wan, 
like, um, why am I playing his name? Like Hunter and the cuter younger character, Leia, Grogu, Omega. Mm-hmm. And it's, there's really good pieces in here. The part in the back of the truck where Obi-Wan is talking about, you know, knowing, you know, Leia's mother or, you know, his, yeah. his past friends is really, really well done. I wish, I just wish we wouldn't keep leaning on the same kind of trope and the same approach to it even. Like, at, I don't know. I, I think I talked about this in Bad Batch as well, but like, mm-hmm. it's definitely starting to wear on me a little bit at this point that like, nope, we're... We're going back to this again. Okay. But I, I, I can see your point on this, but when you were talking about the back of the truck, what really made that work was the recovery when instead of sitting there, you know, calling the little girl by the, the, the quote unquote fake name and he calls her Leia and the stormtrooper goes, wait a minute, you, you said her name was this. The, it was the recovery to say, because you could tell and it worked that, oh, I'm sorry, but it was, it was the name of her mother. And every time I look at her, she reminds me of her mother. And, it's the heart-wrenching thing about here's this little girl that doesn't know, although she did kind of hint or asked him flat out, that he knew her real mother. And you could see the pain in Obi-Wan's face when he's looking at this young lady that is a reflection of basically Padme. And based in the heck 100%. Yeah, because it yeah. brings back uh, all of those terrible memories. Yeah. And I, and, I completely ahead, agree. Steven. And I think that's yeah. against the, their normal dynamic. The rest of their dynamic is the the parent-child, you know, mentor-child type relationship. Right. And I think that's where it falls a little bit more flat for me. But the, yeah, the scene okay. in the back of the truck is a perfect example of what I wanted to, like, I was hoping that relationship would look like. Mm, yeah. But I hope we continue to get more of that and, you know, give Leia some, not necessarily closure, but, you know, a little bit of, a, like, more of her past that... Mm-hmm we potentially see a little, you know, in episode six. Yeah. I just, I, I loved, I loved that scene. I loved, and also it's, it's kind of a nice, uh, nod you know, to like, I remember there was, um, there were a lot of theories around, around like, actually, I think some of the books actually tried to address this. Anakin was maybe concerned about, you know, jealous, he was kind of jealous of Obi-Wan and worried there was things going on there. And some mm-hmm. early books, I'm trying to remember what those were now. Um, it's kind of like a nice nod to that. And and just that Leia, of course she'd be curious about her, her, her parents. And so she'd wonder, right. well, if you know, clearly, you know, you're, she can, she can, she doesn't know it's the force, but she can sense that Obi-Wan is, is hiding something. And, uh, and so she wondered, well, is it it's because you're my father? Right. And it turns out, no, I'm not your father, mm-hmm. but I knew your parents. And he doesn't say that, you know, her father was Anakin and he trained him and everything, but you can still see all that emotion. And I start to, I was actually, as I was watching it a second time, if you'll remember in Return of the Jedi, Leia says that she remembers a little bit of her mother. Images, mm-hmm. really. Feelings. Yep. But that's it, right? Whereas Luke yeah. doesn't have any memory of his mother. Now, maybe, you know, and some some babies have a very good memory. Like my dad could recall memories from when he was like super young. I'm like, I don't know how you remember that. I don't remember anything from when I was that little. Um, but you know, with, I don't know. Part of me wonders is, is this Leia just have that good of a memory from those very brief glimpses of 
Padme when she was just born, like you know, like you know, not even a day old, and then whisked away because Padme dies instantly within hours of her mm-hmm. birth. How could she remember images and feelings of that? And now I'm wondering, maybe, maybe that because yeah, clearly Leia doesn't know anything it, about her mother from from mm-hmm. Bale and Bria Organa. Maybe those images and feelings are not of her actual mother, but of the stories that she's heard now from Obi-Wan. Maybe that's where those feelings come from. It's, I have a feeling. Yeah. Well, I mean, you remember that time we were in Orlando. We went and we went and got dinner at that chicken place. Do you not? Do you remember that? It was for I celebration. Do. I do. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think we actually ever did, but it's one of those things I mean, unless I'm forgetting, but exactly. I, I do wonder, no, no, yeah, no, we, there's yeah, a, yeah. there's a little bit of that element of, um, Leia doesn't remember it specifically, but through talking to Obi-Wan mm-hmm. and hearing about the memories, she's adopted them to some degree. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. Yeah. I really like that okay. idea. Yeah. And so I, I love I that. I yeah. Cause it's always been one of those things that never really made sense. And I feel like they're finally starting to explain this. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just I, I the, the all of the scenes also like when she's asking Obi Wan about the Force and he's kind of describing what the Force feels like and we all know she has it but and he knows she has it but she doesn't right. n- know yet. It's just so so well done. Mm-hmm. Well, on, on top of that, when they were talking about it, he he even brings up that he remembers because you were talking about Leia having the flashes in Return of the Jedi of her mother. You bring up Obi-Wan saying, you know, he remembers flashes of his parents and his baby brother, you know, and yes. he wishes that he remembered more of them. Yeah. So it's it's kind of that great parallel, Stephen, that you pointed out that, you know, it's it's from Revenge of the uh, sorry, Return of the Jedi. And then this that there is that flashes of remembrance when it comes to Jedi taken too young, that they remember things, you know, and, and it's great to see that callback right there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Obi Wan's connections are probably a little bit older. He's I would assume like than five, five, maybe yeah. when he left Stu John. Right? Four or five would be my guess. Yeah. yeah. Whereas we know, obviously, Leia had a little bit less time, shall we say, with her. Oh, mother. hours. Sorry. I mean, minutes. It is my recollection of Episode Three, but uh, yes. Yeah. No, I think it's exactly it. But I did like the reference that, kind of the confirmation that that Obi-Wan had a brother. You know, that's something that was alluded to, actually not, not, not even alluded to, that was in the original backstory for Ben Kenobi back before the prequels. Uh, I think there were some attempts to to make Ob- uh, Owen Lars Obi-Wan's brother. Now, of course, that's that's not canon, um, mm-hmm. but the fact that he had a brother, it's a, it's a nice connection there. Um, uh, I, don't, I mean, I'd love to... I don't think we ever will, but it's it'd be fun to learn more about his brother, and at least we're getting those. So we'll be able to sympathize, you know. Right. I I don't think we should over-explain. I don't think we should actually. No, I was. I I would not make any bets there. I. This is another kind of pet peeve that I think Star Wars struggles with a little bit is they really really love to go into the detailed explanations on minor things that didn't really need to be explained. Mm -hmm. Um. So, yeah, it would not surprise me if this pops up at some point in the future. Yeah. Well, hopefully that would be like way, way, way down in the future if it would ever get that far. But I I kind of think that and I'm kind of hoping that 
the second season rumors are just that because I really believe Obi-Wan just deserves a good story arc, six episode show, and that would be it. No, okay, here's here's my pitch. Season two called Ben Kenobi. And what we're gonna discover, and so obviously like all they reveal is it's called Ben Kenobi. We think it's Obi-Wan Kenobi season two, and it, we actually find out it's not. This is actually Ben Kenobi, Obi-Wan's brother, and all Obi-Wan remembers of him is the name Ben, and that's why he <laughs> takes that name, and it's just mind-blown. And we get a, an episode about uh, Ben Kenobi. Or a season, excuse me. <sighs> wow. Hey! Yep. Um... Uh, also, one other thing while we're talking about the uh, talking about Leia, uh, of course, you know, I think fans fell in love with her her little droid Lola, who hasn't got repaired. She got repaired in this episode, but hasn't really had much else to do really since the premiere. Um, but and I, I don't I, I can't guarantee this is not this is this is accurate, but I've seen some posts online recently. Uh, saying that Carrie Fisher actually had a bird named Lola when she was young, and that that's where the 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 character is named from. So I think it's a cool little touch. Yeah, that's a good nod. Yeah, yeah I could absolutely see that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so switching gears, um, another dynamic I really enjoyed was the whole hiding from the Empire. Right, so they they arrive on. A Mapuzo, and it's like this old. Kind of looks like Southern California, or maybe Arizona, or New Mexico a little bit. No, so, it, it looks straight out of Southern California. It really did, though. <laughs> that was my initial. My initial response was like, "Yeah, probably, we've got I could probably Sandy figure Hills. out where they filmed it. It's probably up by my area where I live." Yep. Um, and Tom on the set of the Obi Wan Kenobi show confirmed. Up? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, hiding from the Empire, William. Let's get to that uh, one. So yes, yeah, so, of course, you know the the contact doesn't show. And this is when Freck, uh, played by Zach Braff, uh, arrives. He arrives in this transport, and you know uh, Leia quickly flags him down as she as she does, and completely ignores Obi Wan and and uh, uh, gets a ride from them. But then the camera pans, and you see that there's an Imperial flag on the back of the transport, and it's just, it's such a great moment. Mm-hmm. And then you know he picks up a group of stormtroopers and things just spiral out of control from there. I, I love, I love that whole dynamic because you do see that yes, you have the rebellion and people who are basically again, rebelling against the empire, but there are actual people in this civilization that love the empire. Mm -hmm. And to hear this guy basically just trotting along in his, you know, Star Wars quote unquote pickup truck with an Empire sticker on the back. It's like he loved the Empire. He was so happy with them. He even picked up these stormtroopers for a ride because it was going to be a long walk. Yeah. And it makes sense, right? Because they don't really know how evil the Empire is. The average citizen doesn't know. No. Nope. And uh, and so it 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 makes a lot of sense. Just like Tala later says that she had she she joined the empire thinking they were good and it took a long time until she realized that they were bad. Mm-hmm. And I think Freck is probably in a similar situation. He seems like a friendly guy just trying to, you know, help the, help the empire out. 
Yeah. And in the process, almost, <laughs> almost gets the, uh, you know, uh, Obi-Wan and Leia in trouble. And actually, he, he, he flat out tries to, right? He, when they get stopped at that checkpoint, after the stormtroopers leave, uh, he, he tells the guys at the checkpoint, Hey, there's some, you know, there's some people you might want to, some strays you might want to check out. Um, really interesting dynamic. I like how he used the, yeah, I picked up a couple of strays. Yeah. I, I tell you, honestly, if I were to pick up a couple that were in the middle of a desert like this, yeah, but the stormtrooper in the back of the truck saying, you know, what are you doing out here? I love when Obi-Wan just said that this is, that's a long story. The comeback from the stormtrooper was perfect. <laughs> well, this is a long ride. <laughs> I mean, that, that whole thing, the dynamic was great. And, and as William, you mentioned the suspense and, and, and just everything about it was so brilliantly directed and done and acted just outstanding. Agreed. Yeah. I, I also just love that Obi-Wan thinks he can, you know, put up his hood and, and disappear. I mean, to be fair, Jedi robes are supposed to be something that a lot of people wear, you know, mm-hmm. and, and can, can help you kind of uh, blend in to a crowd. They're not supposed to stand out. They're just iconic to us as Star Wars fans, but mm-hmm. still like putting up your hood in the middle of the desert. I feel like it's just a little bit suspicious. Just, just me. Very, very. And, and then on top of that, the way Obi-Wan stands when he's got his hood up and his arms crossed, he does kind of, although in this case he didn't cross his arms, but he does kind of stick out when he does that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, but we get a great battle at the, at the checkpoint. Uh, we get a stormtrooper who's sliced in half. Can, <laughs> oh, oh. Sorry, before we, before we get to the battle, Tom, uh, I know you're going to appreciate this. Did, okay, go ahead. Did anyone else get some major um someone go back and get a bunch of dimes vibe yes. from that little yes. station? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. I, yes. Okay. I know what you're talking about. I was about. dying a little bit when they pull up to this gate in the middle of like, sure, there's technically like two little hills there. Yes. But all, I'm looking was like, you could literally just walk around. Yep. There's nothing stopped. That's I not know. why does this gate exist? In the middle of nowhere. There's not like. It it, it was there to stop a truck. Not so much people going around the gate. Just like the one you're talking about was there to stop a horse. But. I suppose. Yeah, but but this this one was different than the one you're referencing. This one actually had that walls or little, little rock formations that were to the sides of it. The one you're referencing was just a flat out desert with a road and a toll booth. Where they easily yes, could have gone. it is. This is slightly better, but yes. I would be hard pressed. Like, I don't know. You're it, not yeah, alone. I, th- I thought the exact same thing. My, you my, and I are on the same page. Oh, I, I was watching this episode with uh, my wife and my mom and my brother-in-law, and they all say said the very same thing. Like, wait, what? Yeah. Why? Yeah. The heck? <laughs> yeah. It was. It, it was. It was a nice little chuckle to throw in there if you get the reference that we're talking about. Yeah. But the best thing anyway, that made so it work, though, you were talking the, about someone getting cut in half, I believe. Yeah, that's what I was Steven, bring up. Yes. You, yeah, thoughts? yes. <laughs> I mean, I really like the part where he got cut in half. I mean, one of those cases where, like, do do we really need like cut in half lasers as part of like what if someone's brakes stopped working for a moment? What if someone was 
looking at their pad and wasn't paying attention. Does this like details, their entire details, Stephen? Their entire this is the car empire. gets cut in two. Where is the safety regulations? No railings first. Now we've got. <laughs> oh God! But it did make for a fantastic shot as the guy falls over backwards and gets cut in half. Yeah, unnecessary. Yeah. But like, I'll, I mean, I'll take it. Yeah, nothing like an extremely dangerous gate. Yeah, it's you know, it's not just a gate to stop you. It's it will literally cut you in half if you try to go through. Do not attempt. And it's supposed to keep you on one side, not yep. the other. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, I I did though like the reveal of Officer Tala, played by Indira Varma, when you know Obi Wan he, he takes out all the stormtroopers. You think he it's it's all over for him, and then that transport arrives. You know, so he, you think he's safe. Then the transport arrives, more stormtroopers pile out. The Imperial officer walks, you know, down the the ramp, and then she shoots all of her stormtroopers, and turns out. She's Obi-Wan's contact. It's a great, great little twist. Not one I was expecting for sure. I agree with that. Agreed. Yeah. 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 And then, then that little, that little thing back and forth, just like, you know, I know I was late, but you know, could you have at least stayed? I was coming to pick you up. Exactly. Yep. Oh, so, okay. Switching gears for a moment. Uh, we'll we'll come back to Tala, but I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Reva and her motivations in this episode. You, I think Tom, you mentioned at the top of the show, we get to see some Darth Vader. They don't hold back in this episode. They start right off the bat with Vader at uh, I believe it's Castle Vader, right on Mustafar, mm-hmm. and he flat out tells her he's been watching her, and if she proves herself and gets Kenobi, she will become the next Grand Inquisitor. And if she fails, well, she won't be, she won't live very long. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this. Um, of course, we know the Grand Inquisitors huh? and Rebels. Huh? Okay. Was my response? Okay, go, go. Yeah, well, say, say more. Steven you, Steven, you go first. No, there's, I mean, it's just a, it doesn't really make sense to me. And this is one of the like, this is one of those cases where like, if we were in old Legends universe, I'd be like, okay, I guess we're just retconning here because that was just a thing that happened fairly regularly. Um, but we're not supposed to be doing that anymore. Rebels is post Disney, so I'm I'm just kind of perplexed as to what what they're going for here, and it definitely just kind of makes it feel like. They're getting the best of both worlds. They're not ret. I mean, I, I assume they're not going to retcon it, but they don't want to stick with what they actually had because they felt like they want to do something different. And so you end up with a kind of wishy-washy feeling canon, which I just don't think is a great, great place to be. Mm-hmm. Well, how about look at from look at it from this point of view? Okay, maybe it's the carrot being dangled in front of her. Maybe at some point during these episodes. She is going to fail. And I still think that the Grand Inquisitor that we saw at the beginning is not the Grand Inquisitor we're going to see at the end. I think that's going to probably line up closer to Rebels. But I really think this is more of the, here is a carrot I'm going to put in front of you. Yes, I'm watching you. But to me, I don't mind the 
I don't mind the character, but there's still something about the character for me that's off that seems so unsettled that go ahead, go ahead. I I, I want to hear your thoughts. This is, I think the best, I don't know the right place to interject this comment. Um, I almost did it earlier there. I'm trying to kind of even phrase this. So I felt pretty good after the first two episodes. I felt like they were a little bit, um, I'm going to say convenient is maybe the word. Like mm-hmm. Obi in the second episode, Obi-Wan shows up on, and I'm blanking on the name of the planet, but like he shows up there and goes from person one to person two to Leia. Like boom, 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 done. Got it. And it it felt too convenient. Um, like I was reading a, like a script that describe or an outline, not watching the actual show. Mm. But I was kind of of the mindset, like, well, we're just like, clearly the goal was to get Obi-Wan and Leia together. I'm sure it will get deeper or more complex as we go. This episode has, it continues that problem. Like if I were to, to describe the highlights for the episode, they land, they take a bus to the city, they get stopped by a stormtrooper, they get stopped at a gate, they go into the city, they duel Darth Vader. Like there's not much more to the episode than the outline points. Every scene is very straightforward. Every character has, it feels like one one layer, one dimension. Like Reva is crazy to go out and try and kill Obi-Wan. Like that's that's kind of all all she has. And I feel like a lot of the characters in the show end up having that mentality too. And it I enjoy watching the show, but the I come away from it feeling like it's not I don't know, it's missing nuance. It's missing complexity. Mm. It it almost reads to me like and actually I mean this is I, I don't want to cast aspersions here, especially on, like on Dave Filoni, who's done such an amazing job. But like it r- reads like a 20 minute Clone Wars episode that they blew out to 40 minutes and added live action to. Like it's what fine for an animated show that's 20 minutes long to be very boom, 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 you know, point to point. Mm-hmm. But it's in live action. I, I'm finding it a little disconcerting. And I feel like Reva is a perfect example of that. I don't have anything against her like on her own like mm. i think she has potential she's could can be an interesting character but it just she comes across so one note i agree she's here to kill kenobi and yeah it just it ends up feeling a little off to me yeah right and i do think that's the way she's she's written right she her she has a, she's no a it's track I, sorry yeah and sorry to be i want to be yeah. very clear i have not like I know um, I'm the actress's name is going to escape me. Um, yeah, Moses, Moses Ingram. Yeah. I know like there has been some truly uh, I'm going to say deplorable bit like rhetoric aimed at her, which she does not mm-hmm. deserve. She's done no. a fantastic job yes. with the role yes. as she's been given. We're talking yes. specifically but about I the do, writing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I, it's specifically the writing where I think uh, we're lacking a little bit. Yeah, because I, I think my biggest thing is when it comes to this character, there has to be some kind of motivation for her drive for Kenobi other than uh, it just that there's a drive with her. That's kind of missing. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you just know it's a one note, but what, what, what is driving her to do this? Well, I think that's what this episode tried to explain was that her drive is, she's very much motivated to become the grand inquisitor. We don't know the details of why yet. Hopefully, they will explain a bit more about why she mm-hmm. hates Kenobi so much. And and that's or my is, thing, or is it a hatred of Kenobi, or is it just she believes she can get ahead 
as a result of it. So I think we do we do need some more of that. I think this episode tried right. to show that Vader is kind of dangling a carrot and a stick in front of her and saying, right. hey, get Kenobi. I will make you the Grand Inquisitor. If you mm-hmm. don't get Kenobi, I will kill you. So get Kenobi. Um, and, and so I think that helps a little bit, but it doesn't explain... I would still like to learn a bit more of her and make her, you know, a little bit less like I want to learn more of her backstory. Why does she hate right. Kenobi so much? Why does she why is she looked down upon by the other Inquisitors mm-hmm. in previous yeah, episodes? The, the, the fifth brother literally goes to her face. Yeah. That he's going for the Grand Inquisitor Inquisitor as well. But wasn't he also in the previous episode? basically telling her that you're chasing a shadow. He didn't believe, you know, Kenobi was, was alive. Right. What that, that, that's the thing right now that when it comes to the motivation of Riva, other than trying to be in the, the grand inquisitor, why did she believe he was alive? Right. Yeah. What, what made her think Kenobi was still alive? Yeah. Go after him so hard. Was it the grand, the position of grand inquisitor, even though, I think she probably wouldn't have had that much contact with Vader at that point. Right. You know, would did, or did Vader pre- tell her, Hey, you find Kenobi. Kino- I'm sure Kenobi's still out there. You find her, you find him and I will give, make you grand inquisitor still. And that's why she decided to kill the grand inquisitor, you know, in the, in, in part two. I don't know. So you, you're right. I think that's, that's really what's missing for her character right now is, mm-hmm. is, is that motivation? Why does she care so much? Right. Um, but I think this episode tried to address, it doesn't address the core of it, but at least gives her a reason to be so focused on becoming the grand inquisitor. Now, right. the, the, the interesting thing I have is that the motivation they decided to give her was a very simple. I want to be the grand inquisitor. Right. Um, and in order to do that, they had to kill off the existing grand inquisitor. And I don't know whether that was for shock value or for the motivation or for both. That creates this very interesting dynamic of, okay, well, is it the same Grand Inquisitor? Is he just going to come back at the end of the series? I assume he has to because he's in Rebels unless he's a different Grand Grand Inquisitor, which which seems unlikely, or or a clone, which still seems unlikely. And it kind of makes the whole thing feel a little bit less like we know she's going to fail because she's not in Rebels. The impact here is just is lessened on all accounts. Yeah, we right. know we feel like we know she's going to fail. Maybe she doesn't. We also feel like they're I don't know. It just I feel like it makes the entire thing lose value because we know it's not it's not going to work out that way. And it it makes it feel like you said, like it was done for shock value and uh, to like create this type of discussion. And I don't know. I don't think that's an interesting discussion for us to really have. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, especially in a franchise that has such a history of changing and retconning as we'll talk about later. Like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's the, that's the biggest, I think struggle. Um, that said, I did love seeing Vader and mm-hmm. how he was, you know, incentivizing her. I did love the dynamic, the dynamic between her and the fifth brother where now they're both, vying for control and initially you know she kind of goes around all of them and talks to vader and says oh well no vader vader told me to send out these probes you know and then later the fifth brother tries to one-up her by getting credit for finding obi-wan on mapuzo and so you know i i do like that dynamic 
as well as seeing the Fortress Inquisitorius on Nerf for the first time and getting to see, you know, well, for the first time in live action, because we saw this facility in Jedi Fallen Order and they recreated it one for one from the video game, which it's pretty amazing. We've seen yeah, that happen cool. with the Clone Wars and Rebels because those are like George Lucas blessed or, or Filoni blessed, you know, uh, 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 content. But to see not just a, a, a droid model or mention of a character, but an entire location that started life as a video game environment and ends up being a huge piece of I, the show. That's really cool. And it hasn't me, really happened. Let me play devil's advocate though. Yeah. Do we know that uh, the Inquisitorius started in Fallen Order? No, the Inquisitory. Uh, oh, sorry. Fortress Inquisitorius, you mean? Yes, the Fortress. Yeah. Particularly, I mean, maybe not. Sorry, maybe is, maybe it know, was created. We know Kenobi was, they were trying to figure out a movie for it. That's true. Maybe it's been around Depend- for a while. It's, it could have been concept art that they then borrowed. Yeah. Wouldn't be the most out there. Or from Rebels, maybe. Anything yeah. is possible. Yeah. But Either yeah, way, it's so cool. It's very cool. 100%. Yeah. Because I feel like you don't see it that often. Like, you, yeah, there's stuff from like old, old, old legends that pops back up again, as we'll talk about in a little bit. There's stuff from, you know, other environments that you'll see like, oh, look, they brought in Dathomir or whatever. But I feel like this is one of the biggest instances of a game bringing something to live action in a big way. And it was cool. I really liked it. Yep. So... Let's talk about the path. Uh, we find out that there is a, uh, a a network of safe houses called the path, kind of similar to the real-life Underground Railroad um, to help Jedi and other Force sensitives escape the Empire, ultimately culminating in Jabim, where the Jedi receive new identities. Um, this is... I love this concept. It's really cool. Yeah. It's really it's really cool because I think this is, like I mentioned earlier, this is where we get to see really how many Jedi did survive Order 66, which I was surprised the one that made it was Colin Voss. And I'm like, really? That was and such then a he's cool even reference. Hel- yeah, and he's even helping smuggling the younglings. Yeah. So I'm like, Wow. And then all the all the Arabesh stuff, it says I, I was paying attention, but I can't read that fast. So I, I, the, all the stuff that was on the wall, just the whole Underground Railroad thing is a fascinating concept. Yeah. Steven. No, I was just going to read it. It makes sense for, you know, the universe. I like the idea of the kind of Underground Railroad kind of vibe and. The different names we get on the wall, you know, they're in Orabesh. They're clearly meant more as, I think, Easter eggs than anything serious. But, like, we get another, uh, like, Valen Halcyon, who is, or uh, I think it's Halcyon, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm remembering. Yep. Uh, who is Cornhorn's father. Yep. Hal Horn. So, yep. yeah, like, that's, I mean, they're okay. definitely hitting at something, right? Okay, so now that's that's a second Cornhorn reference in two episodes. Hmm. Right? So, I they've got to be leading toward Corrin Horn being I, a bigger player in Rogue Squadron, like you said, Steven. It's, I still think that's most likely. 
And this, like, God, they do it so many times in this episode. Star Wars really loves nostalgia bait. They do. Re- they do. They're <laughs> really, really bad. Yeah. So there's there's a part of me that doesn't want to get my hopes up in that it's just meant as a, a little reference that's not going to go anywhere. But what's I weird hope is not. It's, it's twice in two episodes. Like, if it was just the once, that would kind of be like, oh, that's a cool reference, right? Yeah. I don't know. Or Or, or maybe... Maybe not. Maybe maybe you know the the writers just really love Corrin Horn. I mean, clearly they really love the book Children of the Jedi because a whole mm-hmm. host of characters from Children of the Jedi are also on that wall. Uh, Reddit went through and kind of uh, pause free, freeze framed. I have to give them credit. Uh, freeze frame the uh, the episode and, and looked at the different characters listed. And we have Roganda Ismarian, who is a former consort of the Emperor. She's a Force sensitive, and her, of course, her son ultimately ends up being the villain Lord Nyax in the New Jedi Order. We've got uh, Valen Halcyon, as you mentioned, Corrin Horn's father. You know, that was his alias, but his real name is Halhorn. Uh, Dijin Altis, uh, who was the leader of the uh, uh, Altsian Jedi, the splinter group that allowed that believed that Jedi should be allowed to marry and have multiple apprentices. Uh, and he was also the mentor of Callista Ming, Luke's girlfriend. Um, so yeah, there's like a lot of, a lot of children of the Jedi references. All the names on the wall were from mm-hmm. children of the Jedi. And, uh, and can I say that is the one thing that I appreciate is the pulling the stuff and doing the research mm-hmm. and not just throwing something up there just to throw it up there and, and just have it be nonsensical or just make something new up, you know, and because you've got this whole universe that's there, use it. And it appears just by the writings on the wall and even just Quillen Voss, it's like you're using quite what literally you have. on the wall. Yeah. Pardon? Yeah. Sorry, so, I thought you were saying the writings on the wall in the like facetious sense, you know, uh, like a, yeah. a metaphor, but it's also okay. quite, literally quite literally on, the wall, on a so. wall. Yeah, yeah, quite literally the writings on the wall. So I, I really appreciate that they are taking their time when they're doing this, yeah. that it is well thought out. It is very well plotted. And and even just the episodes in on themselves, they're letting the episodes just basically tell the story and you're done. Let's move on to the next story and just keep this thing rolling the way it is. Yeah. I also love seeing Jabim get name dropped. Of course, a planet from the old Dark Horse Clone Wars comics. Uh, so yeah, really... Really cool stuff. The The only thing I wonder is, is it wise to put your name on a wall if you're on the run? <laughs> well, you've got it. You've got a good point. Oh, you Quinlan know, but, was here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, ba- basically you're setting yourself up to be found. You've got a good point. I mean, I, I also took issue with uh, Tala just calling out the name of the planet where apparently like all the Jedi get led yeah. to like that just feels like the type of thing you don't want <laughs> right yeah never around. say it just yeah. let them discover it when they get there right ah yes jabim that's where all our jedi go certainly no empire there they'll never discover it mm-hmm. everyone knows where but, this, this railroad ends you know <laughs> exactly yeah. well no it's a good well i can't end on Jeddah anymore so yeah um i want to call it the underground conveyx but you know i guess it has a name the path mm-hmm. <laughs> also but this uh well i, I Sorry, Th- this is the one scene I was kind of referencing earlier where you had Obi-Wan. He's looking at everything on the wa- on the walls. And I was saying that each episode's kind of like dropping a hint for him on how he can possibly 
finally, you know, commune with Qui-Gon. And I think this is where, for me, this is a line that I think it's a hint, mm-hmm. is where on the wall it's written, only when your eyes are closed can you truly see. So that was interesting. I, yeah, I mean, to me, I seriously think that is some kind of hint. And it's trying to it's trying to push Kenobi in another little nudge mm-hmm. in the right direction to where that once he really you know his eyes are closed and really pushes everything out will he truly see Qui-Gon interesting okay I I like that theory because I was wondering what that meant because it seemed kind of out of context and it's not something we've ever heard of before Mm -hmm. it it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me it wasn't like a, a, a classic Jedi saying or a um something that so yeah, maybe maybe it is about, uh, maybe it is more about, uh, uh, maybe it is more about communing with Qui Gon or or just using the Force in general. I don't know the the what made things even more interesting afterward is when you know I think he was asked about what does that mean and he says mm-hmm. the way we've never heard of the way being a Jedi thing before. I, I mean, this is the way, right? Is a, is a Mandalorian mm-hmm. thing. But in, in the captions, the W in way is capitalized. So I, I have to assume they're talking about the same, like this is the way. I don't know. Interesting stuff. I, it could be, this is the way you will be able to see Qui-Gon. It's only when your eyes are closed yeah. can you truly see. I don't know. So, I'll, yeah. I'll say I hope it's not that, and it's more just, you know, the adopted saying of the Jedi who are, you know, following the path to safety. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that, that could be true, Not too. everything needs to be a cosmic uh, equivalency or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. however you want to describe it. Right. I hope so, too, especially because... Um, it, it's kind of similar to the, uh, you know, I'm one with the force and the force is with me, right? Mm-hmm. When Rogue One debuted, that was supposed to be, at least the way I understood it, a, you know, um, it was, it was a, a basically a sect of, of people who didn't really have the force, but kind of worshiped it and wanted to protect the Jedi mm-hmm. on Jedi and, they would always say, I am one with the force and the force is with me. But that was that there was it was their thing and that was it. But in the in the intervening years, it's almost become more of a uh meditation. Yeah, that's probably the best word yeah, I can it's think a, of. A meditation. I was trying to think right. of the right word for it. And that's not what Star it War- was at all at first. Star Wars struggles to not self-reference itself. Constantly. Right. And I'm like, you don't need to and say this is that. A- yeah, a very good example. Like you, you they introduced it once, and great. Let's see how else we can apply it and tie it to the rest of the lore and tie it to other well-known characters. And did you know that Obi Wan's the first Jedi who actually said, uh, and so on and so forth. Right, it and all of a sudden, everyone's okay. saying, "I am one with the Force, and the Force is with me." Is like a meditation, or like a well, self-help yeah. thing, or a prayer, or whatever it is. And it's like, no, that's that's not exactly. I mean, it was yes, it was something they said on Jedi, but is it mm-hmm. is it galaxy wide i don't I but don't think so. but remember remember ahsoka used that on rex 
because she was trying when she was trying to find the chip in his head she was saying as she was holding on to his head to try and exactly meditate whatever written she was saying i'm one with fourth right (laughs) yeah so anyway yeah exactly it could also mean it it could also mean the other thing is is because it is a hidden door it is a sign that this is the way find the hidden door because this is a way to get out of the safe house true that could be yeah yeah okay hang on can we talk about the safe house for a minute go ahead i have serious concerns about the safe house design because (laughs) obi-wan and leia leave through the safe house and start heading towards safety right right um later after they have left reva discovers the safe house right a non-trivial chunk of time has passed at this point like obi-wan and leia are pretty far down the down the way down the tunnel, whatever, towards safety. At some point, Obi-Wan turns back, Leia continues on, and somehow Reva gets to the end of it first. That's a good point. I I was very confused on what the goal here was. This seems like a poorly thought out escape hatch if it's that easy to get caught in it or be, uh, you know, followed around. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not wrong. I was wondering the same thing. How how did how did she get to the end when Leia was running down the path by herself? I mean, I guess Tala did abandon her and go back to help Obi-Wan <clears throat> at Leia's insistence, but it really doesn't take her long at all to catch Leia and Well, and also kill the pilot. Right. And it's implied yeah. that Leia is I mean, maybe it's a series of tunnels that exist. And Reva just figured out, oh, it goes into this tunnel, and I'll just go out the other side, and it's already mapped or something, maybe. But oh, it's, if that's the case, it's not all that safe. But it's implied that she kidnaps Leia, although we just see Leia running away, so maybe she doesn't kidnap her. I don't know. Well, maybe it's another Keystone Cop chase like that was on the planet Al- um, Alderaan when yeah. she was trying, and she was basically kidnapped by the first bounty hunters running through the forest. Um, or, you know, she ducked down a different tunnel that Reva didn't sense, or I don't know, yeah. but, but you got to admit Obi-Wan leading, trying to lead Reva and everybody away from Leia, that whole sequence of oh. Obi-Wan and Vader, I was, I was just watching with my mouth wide open going, they went there with this. It is a terrifying scene. Like this yes. is like the some of the closest Star Wars gets to horror in some ways. With like Vader, you know, walking through the town, force choking people, dragging them along with the dirt behind him. That mm-hmm. moment when he like turns his head to Obi Wan, you know, it's like whoa, oh boy, terrifying. Yeah. yeah, and and at the same time, it was like he was playing with Obi Wan. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just a, I'm going to follow you, but it was that whole thing of, is he there? Is he not? And, and it's just so beautifully done. Yeah. So beautifully done. What did you guys think of that duel in the abandoned mining facility and their kind of game of cat and mouse? It was, I, I was going to let Steven, oh, Steven yeah. give it, give his thoughts. 
Ah, you would go to me again. I, I'm sorry. I think I've talked too much in this one. So you go first. No, you're fine. I the duel was good. I I almost wish they hadn't done it. I think really. It. I don't know. It just feels. Again, it goes back to like I. I'm trying to give you a good example. Uh, it reminds me a lot of. Anakin and Grievous in the Clone Wars series, except a little bit worse. They go out of their way to try and figure out how they can sneak between the lines um, of, you know, Obi-Wan and Vader meeting on the Death Star. You know, Vader has his, you know, I haven't felt a presence since, and then he pauses, and then like, ah, like, you, the assumption, the assumption we've had for, you know, uh, what uh 50 years 40 years what, however long it's been since a new hope was that oh of course like he hasn't met him since whenever the two of them split paths and then we find out it's in episode three um vader saying well you know when i left you i was but a learner now i am the master well technically he did leave on mustafar as a as a learner but just because he's met this time he's not mm-hmm. now it it's one of those things where, like, I can admire the way they have tried to squeeze this in without really breaking or re- changing anything that's come before. Like, you, congratulations, you've squeezed into the millimeter of space, but that doesn't mean I don't see you squeezing into a millimeter of space, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you've squeaked through the door before the door is closed, but I watched you do it in a way that's clearly not natural. I guess yeah. if that, if that would you have I'm it, curious would you have felt that way what is there anything they could have done to bring obi-wan have obi-wan and Vader fight that wouldn't have felt that way uh what i was hoping for honestly is that we would like the sequence where vader is chasing him where they are um like in the town and vader is stalking and looking for him i that i was actually perfectly fine with Mm. I think it was the moment they went into confrontation and a lightsaber duel, which was where it stepped over the line for me. I would have loved for Obi-Wan to outwit and sneak his way out by the skin of his teeth, but not actually um, feel like he was ready to duel Vader or have Vader encounter him. Yeah, I mean, I guess guess the challenge there is I I think everyone everyone wanted Obi-Wan versus Vader. Right. And so I don't I don't think there was a world where I think if they hadn't done it, people would have been disappointed too. And so you're right in that they do kind of it, sneak by, but I feel like that was their they they didn't really have much of a choice. They kind of you know as soon as they added like it's one of those things, as soon as they announced Vader was gonna be in the show, we knew it had I, agree. I, I yeah, it yeah. was I don't know how you avoid it, even though I think yeah. they should have avoided it. Now I was surprised they did it so early. I was expecting this to be yep. very late in the series, and instead it was mm-hmm. halfway through, um, right. you know, which was a surprise. But I did, you know, it, the scene was very well done. I loved the way it was lit and shot. Um, I did find it a little funny that they kept, like, turning on their lightsabers and then turning it off and turning it on and turning it back off again, mm-hmm. you know, there, as they moved there's around. There's a, a composition issue where... I think you lose a little bit of your, you know, scary like Vader appearing and disappearing when again you're in like the California desert where sure there's some <laughs> hills but like that it seems like it's a clear night. It's not like Obi-Wan if he was looking wouldn't see Vader like tiptoe off to the side try and hide <laughs> behind a rock. Mm-hmm. Um but again, it's one of those things where like I 
they were trying to make Vader as intimidating as possible. So I, okay, I do and I do think they did a good job. Of that, okay, right? well, okay, wait, wait a second here. So trying to make Vader intimidating as possible. Don't you think that to me the most brilliant part of this whole thing was Vader basically lighting that, let's say, California desert floor on fire and giving Obi-Wan the same taste of his own medicine that he did to Anakin. That, to me, out of all of that, at his best, was just terrifying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was just terrifying and brutal to watch. Yeah. As, you know, Anakin basically gets revenge on what on Obi-Wan for what he did to him. It's so, so well done. So heartbreaking yeah. to see them do well. And I guess, you know, we never really saw Obi-Wan's shoulders. So I don't know how badly it's been burned, but you know, maybe charred underneath his robes. We just, just never knew it. Um, yeah. I think the robe I, took most of the damage from what I could tell. Yeah, but, I, I yeah. hope so. Yeah. Um, again, one of those things where I don't think we need to add more details. Like we can let episode four stand and not add like, ah, the reason Obi-Wan right, right, exactly. and Vader were so weak on the death because actually Obi-Wan's shoulder was burned in this encounter. <laughs> it's true. And <laughs> well, it even, even this episode was, it was much slower than say, you know, battle of the heroes, right. In absolutely Anakin versus Obi-Wan. It was a much more methodical, Mm-hmm. Uh, plotting, not 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 plotting in a bad way, but more like very. Uh, it wasn't as slow as A New Hope, but it was not as fast as Revenge of the Sith. They really tried to balance that, uh, right? And and I think it it makes sense in that you know Vader's more now more machine than man. Obi Wan hasn't dueled in a while, and so it kind of makes sense that they would be a little bit slower. Um, you know, initially I think I was wanting something a little bit faster, but I had to like reset my mind and be like, Oh no, it's okay. You know, that's who we're getting. We're getting more toward yeah. a new hope. You have to, you have to see that difference. Slow it down a little. Yeah. Can, can I might voice my, this actually might be my biggest uh, pet peeve of the episode. Okay. I wonder if it's the go same ahead. one as mine, but go ahead. It, is it how Obi-Wan escapes? Uh, it's related to that. Yes. So there's fire on the ground, you know, yep. and, Again, similar to our our gate from earlier, like the fire is just in a line. There is some hills, but it's not like this is impossible terrain. Tala, you know, shoots at Vader, shoots at the, uh, you know, um, the gas tank or whatever it is. Vader just kind of stands there. And then they, he, she carries Obi-Wan off and then stops at some point to like talk to him. Yeah. How, How did they get away? Yeah, well, especially because like, okay, yeah. the thing the that was weird to me, Jedi? and you're right, this is the thing that bothered me the most, is that the, uh, more than probably anything else in the episode, as much as I loved the whole sequence and the the the, the, the emotion of burning Obi-Wan, you know, uh, and everything, Vader knocks over that vat of whatever, something mined probably, and clearly it's flammable because he ignites it with his lightsaber, and then he uses the force to put out, from what I could tell, he used the force to quickly put out the flames before Obi-Wan could be too hurt, too damaged, so that he could, you know, have Obi-Wan Continue. captured. Torture. Yep. Right. Brutal torture. To, to torture him later. Yeah. Um, so he puts out the flames with the force. Yep. And then Tala's like, I'm going to blow up a different thing. The fire immediately returns in the exact same place. And I'm like, wait, what? why is it back in the exact same place? And then 
Obi-Wan escapes and Vader doesn't use the force to put it out. Why did he use the force? I don't, that's what I don't get. Like you just use yep. the force to put out the flames. Why aren't you doing it again? Uh, Why are you letting him hang go? On. I, Cat and mouse I have chase. Another, Cat and mouse. No, no. I have another question, which, and I think this answers you, you as well, Tom. So you're telling me that Darth Vader, the man who was burned alive on Mustafar, who has decided to make Mustafar a planet full of lava, his home can't walk mm-hmm. through the can't place. didn't make his suit fireproof. Like, okay, really? you, you're, you're talking, you're talking logic here. You're talking Star Wars yes, universe here. So, um, yeah, sometimes the illogical works in the Star and, Wars universe. But I think this is, this is part of the problem with setting up this fight in the first place is mm-hmm. they it feels like they're bending episode four to fit it in it feels like they're bending the characters and their abilities and the plot to fit it in and i think it takes away from it like i the scene where vader is uh, i don't even know what the i want to say lurking that's not the right word like stalking yeah stalking. like stalking menacingly through the town that is fantastic mm-hmm. vader that yes. is like vader on the corvette at the end of rogue one vader yep, yep um a lot of that is undercut when it's immediately followed by like having to figure out how to let obi-wan escape or how tala a single non-force sensitive human is able to outwit not just vader but a like legion of stormtroopers as well mm-hmm. how obi-wan who is knocked unconscious like they stop at some point for tala to talk to obi-wan why like so you're telling me that the fire which was what maybe 20 feet across is enough to stop the stormtroopers and vader from chasing a woman carrying a not small man like it just i struggle with it okay well well, i'm i'm gonna be the guy that's gonna look at it from this point of view if vader were to have gotten obi-wan at this point then I think the series is over. You have three more episodes. Well, so, just like the Grand Inquisitor, we're actually going to find out that Ben Kenobi is a different character. It's not actually Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> well, I thought it's, the Grand Inquisitor. Uh, it's, it's, it's his I, brother. That was that was the what do you call it? The Chekhov's gun that they like. We introduce his brother at the beginning of this episode, and we're going to find out that it's actually Ben Kenobi, his brother, in episode four. See, I thought for the Inquisitor, he was going to go to Tatooine and he was going to talk to the modifiers and the modifiers are going to give him a new gut like they did for... Uh, uh, If the modifiers show up, I'm going to also cry a little bit, but that's that's a different thing. (laughs) I'm only saying that as a joke. I'm saying that as a joke. I just totally... That's that's all I'm saying. It. I have no knowledge of what's going on. I hope that's not going to happen, Stephen. I think the way the series is going, I am still very intrigued by it. I really enjoyed this episode. And I just I can't wait until the next episode airs because I'm really looking forward. So, are we up for ratings? Yeah, I no, I mean I I agree with you. I agree with everything you guys said. It's um, I, there is a lot I loved about the duel. To be fair, I, I loved so much of it, but it's not perfect. And I think we pretty uh, well summarized all of the uh the perhaps too well and maybe a little too vigorously <laughs> yeah that's okay it's only because we yeah, love yeah. it right um one other thing i wanted to call it before we dive into our ratings interestingly so i if you if you listen do you guys notice vader's voice at all 
Yeah. Of I mean, it sounded like Darth Vader to me. Yep. James yeah, Earl Jones, like the, the amazing James Earl Jones back as Darth Vader. Although he sounds a lot younger than he did in Rebels, which is, I think, the last time we heard Vader. Uh, and James mm-hmm. Earl Jones, he's getting pretty old. Um, I think he's in his, was he in his 80s or something? I, I forget his exact age. Um, and interestingly, if you look in the credits, Respeecher, the company Respeecher, is credited for providing services in the episode. They're, of course, the ones who... Uh, use the they had it's their technology that was used to create Luke Skywalker's younger voice based on sound samples of Mark Hamill, mm. and so I've seen some theories which I agree with that maybe um, maybe they digitally created Darth Vader's voice uh, using respeecher to make him sound younger um, with James Earl Jones' permission, of course. I could see that. I don't see any problem with it. Yeah. Uh, so I, inter- interesting. I'm also not surprised. Yeah. yeah. There, it's one of those things where like, it. I think it's fine, especially for context like this. It does start yeah. to get into that like, um, and the same sort of discussions we had with Leia and, or uh, Carrie Fisher and I'm blanking, uh, Grand Moff Tarkin's actor's name. Oh. Uh, yeah, Peter. Thank, thank you. you. Where it's the like, well, if we can do a you know digital de-aging of and digital rendition of the like an actor to like point where people don't really notice Leia and Mop Tarkin did not hit that point I would say but they're getting closer and we can also synthesize their voice from existing voice clips I mean why do we even need actual actors anymore it, it gets a, a little bit closer to that weird kind of like I'm not I'm not quite sure where this goes but mm. I think in this context it's totally fine yeah I agree. I, I I really liked it in this context. It's just an interesting uh, note for fans uh, that you know maybe maybe this wasn't actually James Earl Jones or he only he had partially involved and they digitally enhanced his voice. It's it's kind of crazy how technology is 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 improving and and changing the way uh, filmmaking happens for sure. Mm-hmm. It's crazy cool stuff that it is. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I think let's let's get into our uh, let's get into our ratings then. Tom, do you want to go first? Since you were so uh, eager to get into the ratings, I assume you would. Yeah, I know. I'm going to be kick the us guy. Off, that's kick us off. Kick it off. So, I I for what it what I gave the episode an eight. I I can get past the flaws. It's Star Wars. Okay, I can get past the the questions the the possible retconning the this the that i just appreciate very good storytelling very good acting and i like the episode i yeah maybe the quote-unquote chase through the town at the end got a little bit overboard with the all of a sudden the darth vader had turned when he heard a noise um very quickly so I can get past that because really I'm really following the storytelling of what's going on. And Ian McGregor is making this thing work so well. And the young actress playing Leia is knocking everything out of the ballpark. So I'm giving it an eight. I enjoyed the episode. My eight womp rats. Well, you guys really didn't see it. It wasn't Darth Vader who put out the flames. It was actually these eight womp rats that put out the flames 
So they were out there with their little itty-bitty fire hoses putting the water out. So they kind of helped Obi-Wan get out of the fire. They're there in their little fire suits putting the fire out. So that's they they survived. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen in the next episode, but they survived. But they helped put the fire out for this episode. So I, I give it an 8-1 Brad's. I'm going to put you on the spot, William. You're up. You're going to put me on the spot? Okay. Yes. Uh, no, I I think you guys all said it well so far. I I am, uh, I really, I'm loving this series, right? It's, it is, this is the, the third of six acts. It's the middle. Um, and I just, I love what they're doing. I love the dynamic between Obi-Wan and Leia. I love how we're getting to see more of the Empire in this in this era and, and you know, how the different civilians interact with the empire, what they think of the empire and all of that stuff. It's just so well done. Um, and, uh, and the, the duel with Vader, like I think Vader's sequence in rogue one is just a little bit better. Cause that like the music plus the, the way he's just like, a force to be reckoned with is is phenomenal that said um this is vader at some of his most chilling and um and it's it is almost like a uh you know a, a horror movie in some ways where vader is unstoppable and just going right after you and when vader's uh, when vader's on your tail, there's not much you can do. And yes, there's some small quibbles we can have here and there with the episode or how, you know, the flames don't stop Vader after you just put them out, you know, seconds before and that sort of thing. But I don't, ultimately I don't care. It's great star Wars television. And, um, I think that, you know, the, the whole crew and cast are just doing a phenomenal job. So I'm going to give this one eight womp rats out of 10. And uh, my eight Womp Rats um, are actually assisting Quinlan Voss with The Path. Steven, just leaves you. I, I think it does. Um, yeah. So I'll say I, I've been obviously a little bit on the negative side for this episode. I do enjoy watching it. Um, and I look forward to, you know, the next episode and continuing the show. I do think... I'm trying to think how to, I don't know what the right way to frame this is. I will say, I, I feel like Star Wars TV is getting a little bit stale for me. Um, not in a, I'm not enjoying it. Not in a, I'm not going to watch what comes next. But definitely in a, I, I'm longing for something a little bit more unique, a little bit more complex, and a little bit more, um, I don't know. I don't know what the word is, but something different. Um and I was hoping, you know, the first real limited series that Disney Plus has done with Star Wars, I guess I mean, maybe Book of Boba Fett was technically a limited series. I don't think it was billed as such. Uh, I'm going to leave that one aside for a moment. But I was hoping this would be a little bit different than it has turned out to be. And so I think I'm going to give it a seven. I'm still enjoying it, but I'm I'm still kind of hoping we'll get they'll rise on my expectations, which are admittedly lofty, um, and then go from there. Um, yeah, so I'll give it seven out of 10 and, uh, my seven womp rats are, I'm just going to use them to paper over one of my plot holes, at least after the fire has been, you know, has separated Vader from Tala and Obi-Wan, uh, the, the seven womp rats are going to lead Vader on a merry chase through the rest of town. You know, that's why Vader isn't able to go after them as he was 
he just he saw the Womp Rats immediately reminded of where do Womp Rats live? Tatooine. What's on Tatooine? Sand. And then they're just and then just the red haze comes over his red eyes and just, you know, after the Womp Rats, he goes and then just lets Obi-Wan escape, you know? Works for me. Awesome. Well, I don't know about you guys. I, I, the next episode is recording this. The next up, ep- next ep- sorry, the next part of uh, Obi Wan Kenobi drops tomorrow morning. So super excited to see what happens next. This is part four of six. We're we're halfway through the series already, and it seems like we just started because we did a week and a half ago. Um, but. Uh, I'm excited to see how things wrap up. So stay tuned uh, for our review of part four next week. Uh, And uh, yeah, we'll be uh, bringing you all the latest Star Wars reviews and news as it happens. So thank you all for listening. And we'll be back with our review of part four next week. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, IonCannonCast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at IonCannonCast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, The Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.